Hello, all you lovebirds. <laughs> Welcome to Heavy Hole Podcast. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle. Oh, boo-hoo, I'm heartbroken. My name is Justin. I'm in love. Yeah, the heartbreak kid over here. <laughs> love to all y'all. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm in love with underground death metal. I'm, I'm going to declare it to the world. All right. It's a good thing to be in love with. Yeah, it's the Valentine's Day hangover. Last weekend was Valentine. You guys got girlfriends. We'll start with you. How was how, how was your weekend, Justin? It was good. I don't. Have, I have a fiance though. I broke up with my girlfriend. Uh, um, <laughs> oh. Um, you know, we should make a, an app like a Tinder, but it's for riffs, right? So you like you can swipe on the riffs you like, and it'll send you to you know the Bandcamp or something something like that. But you know, you only get these uh, you know twenty second like clips of riffs or whatever. Smart. I'm telling. I'm. I'm giving away million dollar ideas. Uh, that's that, my that's, new. That's how like Amazon, like when you buy MP3s on Amazon or so. Like that's how or iTunes, like they give you the little <sighs> clip and then you fucking Bezos. Then you can buy. Yeah, they they got you. They, they, they did that already. They listened to you say that just now on your phone and went back in the future, and <sighs> back went back in the past and engineered it. Next week, or next week, sue you for living. Yeah. Next week's episode, my week's gonna be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this yeah. one, yeah, this one was pretty good. I made short rib uh, three hours in the oven. It was nice. delicious. Oh yeah, short rib, uh, a little risotto, uh, cooked for my fiance and her mom. Oh yeah, friends, and uh, we yelled about all kinds of things, climate change, and <laughs> ice, and stuff like that. Uh, which it, they don't, uh, they don't, they think it's actually happening. So the word's weird. not out. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're really. We're, we're trying to get to the bottom of this ice thing. Look, if climate change was really happening, you could have cooked those short ribs on the sidewalk in December, right? That's what I'm saying. Um, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, use your noggin. Come on. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... And, yeah, and, and you and you would have just left them there nice on the flat earth. To, uh, I, I, I'm afraid... I don't like when things change, you know? I like I like climate's demo better, though. Yeah, the climate seven-inch. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, this, this, the climate split seven-inch with uh, time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, God. When climate had that original lava back then, that yeah. was sick. All right, let's, let's, let's reel it in. All right, so, back uh, to planet Earth. Tom, what are you doing? What happened? How you, how's uh, how's your love life? Oh, uh, it was good. <laughs> uh, here, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about something. <laughs> here, let me tell you something that happened in my bed. Um, Whoa! So uh, I got a new bed frame. Okay. And uh, it's you're not supposed to have a box spring with it, but I decided to keep my box spring. Oh. So yeah. now I am sleeping four and a half feet off the ground. Like Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. Yes, I yes. feel like a goddamn king. <laughs> I, am, I, I, I've never felt better. Really, I'm waking up earlier. I'm checking wow. the stocks. Yeah. I'm a real man now. You're Do waking you have, up at a higher altitude. Yes. Do you have Great. slippers at the at the bottom of that fucking treehouse you call a bed? <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, I have a pair of Avianas. Um, Gabriella, of course, she's uh, Brazilian, so you have to have those. If, yeah, like you know. If you know Brazilian for more than three weeks and don't have avianas, you're actually an enemy of the state. Whoa. Whoa. Um, so nice. either way, uh, so I'm sleeping high. Whoa. Wow. How was your weekend? Uh, they say I sleep high, but I never admit to drug use. <laughs> Bing bong. Well, it was Valentine's Day weekend in Huntington Station, so I was uh, drinking alone in my um, closet full of death metal demos. <laughs> curled up on the floor in a fetal position. Uh, with a voodoo doll of my ex-girlfriend. No, <laughs> no, none of that happened. It was silly. I enjoyed myself at a nice little family time and prepared for the podcast. Everything was cool. And I, you know, I did a little, um, all jokes is I did a little live 
uh, live thing on the Instagram. I've been I've been random. I haven't been doing the 8 p.m. Sunday night thing. I've been hitting them spontaneous and random with, I love it. with you, the Instagram. You're getting coffee. You're doing all the things. I'm, I'm at rehearsal. I'm getting coffee. I'm petting dogs. It's wild out there on Instagram TV, Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, and I did a little... I set up all of my Dead Infection merchandise, all of my vinyl and cassettes, and I played a little chapter of Accidents, and I just, I loved myself, and I loved that album for Valentine's Day. That's Hell yeah. I, I just, I redeclared my love of classic uh, Polish gore grind, Jean Dobry. Um So uh, that was my beautiful Valentine's Day weekend, but nice. I wanted to get a gift, a traditional Valentine's Day gift for all of our listeners and for you guys. What you get? Can 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 I turn this segue into a jovial holiday themed joke right now? Yeah. I, I, well, I'm tonight's I'm guest, ready for it. Tonight's guest. <laughs> tonight's guest traditional enough for Valentine's Day. We're giving you our Valentine's Day hangover for all you lonely guttural souls. We're getting big chocolate aka Cameron Argon of big Disfiguring old. the Goddess. And other uh, esteemed projects and ventures on the line tonight. We're going to talk to him not only about guttural, brutal music, uh, about dance music and electronic music. We're going to talk, and he's going to talk even more. Cameron Argon, a.k.a. Big Chocolate. um, Lot of love. Exemplary producer and guttural vocalist. Big old box of love and chocolates. Get him on the chocolate. Call up Hallmark. Bite each one and then put it back. Yeah. Do it. Okay, this is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, here as always with my loyal co-host, Justin and Tom. And tonight we're joined by our special guest, Cameron Argon, a.k.a. Big Chocolate. A lot of people also know him uh, f- from his work in the band Disfiguring the Goddess, uh, and also um, uh, a lot of other projects, a lot of guest appearances, a lot of things behind the scenes. We're going to try to break as much of it down as we can. Uh, how you doing, Cameron? I'm doing better than good. Oh, nice. like that's it. a record. Love to hear. Like it. no one's ever said that, man. We we haven't. <laughs> no one's ever been that good. No one's ever been better than good. That's great. Well, you know, I'm here to pick it up. Awesome, man. Um, and you know, we uh, we always start off. Um, you know, we want to talk about the music. We want to talk about the vocals and the different things that are going on. We always start from the beginning. And I will admit, um, I I kind of cheated. I always do research, and I got to shout out 100 Words podcast. As a reference, because I did listen to your interview with them from several years ago. So I know if I got it right that you grew up in Huntington Beach and then moved to a more rural part of Nevada eventually, right? That's correct. Shout out 100 Words. Yeah, yeah. And um, and just building on that, growing up in Huntington Beach, the guys might know where I'm going, might not. And then moving to maybe a more <laughs> rural part of Nevada, uh, I want to know was fishing ever part of your background, a family tradition, or anything like that? Bring it no, in that early. Was kind of I love it. Early in my life? No, that was kind of, I mean, I've been fishing a few times, but... Okay. Oh, no, right, all right. That's kind good. of an older generation. You know, my my mom and my grandpa did a lot of fishing. Like it. But like it. Yeah. Good. All right. Shout out to the fishing moms. Good people. Yeah, all right. Shout out to the fishermen. 
Okay, well, now that we got that out of the way. Behold uh, the fisherman. Because we, we do a lot. Well, we, we do a lot of fishing. To- I'm wearing a fishing. I'm wearing fishing merch right now. We do, you know, uh, we do a lot of Ooh. talk. We're on an island out here on the East Coast. It's all good. Uh, awesome. I love but, it. But now that we got the important stuff out of the way. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> Two fish. Let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. it. Growing up in Huntington Beach. You know, I normally ask if you're from a musical family. I know, I believe it was your father who uh, was a lot, had a lot to do with computer science, right? Yeah, that's correct. Wow. Great research. (laughs) Uh, The thing I had is I always ask if you're from a musical family, if there's musicians in the family, and I do want to know that, but also I want to know your father being a a very computer knowledgeable person and computer skilled person, does that somehow parlay into you who you use computers to produce music a lot? Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, he, he got me on computers really, really young. And, you know, computers are a lot of troubleshooting and whatnot, and a lot of clicking around and figuring stuff out. So, you know, I've, I've, I've been pretty used to a computer ever since I uh, was little. He was always bringing home, like, old Macs and stuff. And we always had a PC growing up, which was cool. Um... But, I, yeah, I definitely got into music a little later, like computer music, actually from uh, Macintoshes, getting back into Macintoshes, and he was always like, you got to build a PC. I mean, he, he just would, like, diss my Mac. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know, I, I grew up on the, as far as growing up on um, in music, I grew up on the Mac platform, and uh, now I'm on the PCs, and he's like, I told you so. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, he's uh he's been he's definitely been a a kicker in that element just by introducing and kind of emphasizing computers and whatnot. So for sure. But uh, yeah, definitely a musical family. Uh, it's my both my parents and my younger sister all can uh, play piano and read music. I can't for some reason. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, okay. I don't know why. But uh, I mean, I've tried, obviously, but I was I kind of stuck with guitar early on, and that was more fun. Yeah. But they all have really good taste in music too. My mom's got super great taste, and so does my dad. And they kind of into different types of music, so they're always exposing me to uh, fantastic chops, you know, from diapers and still, you know, our parties are pretty great. Some good music. Um, you know, I'd like to say that I have a little have advanced. You know their their levels of taste, but uh, you know, <laughs> that's not saying they're not uh, open minded to to uh, all kinds of stuff that I bring to the table. But you know, I just I just have more time on it right now. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going hard at it. Well, yeah, and obviously uh, taking your own path, um, and that's that's kind of another part of the family background question. As much as you're comfortable with talking about, but. I know that you talked about on that other podcast about that your father worked for some of the bigger computer firms or, or companies, whatever the word is that we might know, and then went on to be more of an independent uh, businessman, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was always one of his goals is to have his own company. And he did for many, many years, and then he transitioned a bit in life, and now he does again. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a technology company, but he runs it from like a... You know, the business is done on computers and whatnot, so it's still from that same kind of, you know, part of the brain, even though it's uh, mm-hmm. a different industry. Um, 
So yeah, he's he's definitely a uh, business-minded man, and you know, he's been a really good example as far as all that goes. You know, he's, he's he has a lot of integrity with what he does, so it's very commendable and respectable. I've always looked up to him. Uh, absolutely, man. That's good to hear. And the reason I bring all that up is because, again, you know, I I just I was curious hearing that if that played a, again some sort of role in influencing the way you do your music because. Uh, Disfiguring the Goddess, for the most part, um, excluding a few earlier releases, is all you, and I believe it was all independently released up until now, unless I made a mistake there. And you also, you do a lot of live DJ work, which is also kind of being an independent contractor or independent businessman. Does that, did you learn anything about that? Did that shape your, your view on how to approach music, seeing your father do that? I'm not sure if if I cognitive cognitively thought that when I was making those taking those directions um, but you know maybe I, th- I think a lot of those kinds of ideas come from just having that type of mindset so you know maybe he, he, he hasn't had really much input in like the decisions I've made and I haven't really come to him with like you know this is my problem what do you think about this or something um, I mean he's He's noticed a lot of the positives and how I've kind of structured a lot of what I do. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say so. I've, I've, you know, kind of, uh, there's a bit of a, when, you know, when you, when you start your own thing and you, you bring it from zero to, to whatever you want to bring it to, there's a definitely a, you have to be able to dream and have vision. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I actually have one of his, his old, uh, businesses from this, that first main, um, technology business he started there was a, a big building in Irvine with their logo on it and I still have it in my apartment I've had it in all my studios it's just kind of like <laughs> a yeah a little homage but also it, there's a there's kind of a lesson behind it just to dream and you know go big and yeah I, I, I'm a real big believer in like you're only as limited as your mindset mm-hmm. so if you're if you're thinking small you're gonna be doing small you know get the really dream as big as you can because you know i think it's proven time and time again that that's kind of one of that's like the key aspect of of doing pretty much anything in this life from any point or position in life is to just believe in it dream it so you know that's kind of something that i've been more into recently and it reminds me of when i first got in like started getting my feet wet with music like in the you know i got started playing guitar at 13 started playing in bands at like 15 you know recording music at 16 17 but it wasn't until like 20 19 20 21 where i was like really getting my feet wet with it and i wasn't really think i didn't have much intention with it but i i I certainly like now that i'm thinking back on it i I certainly had a lot of vision like I, i was able to see a lot of the things that i ended up doing before i did them and um, so now that I'm a bit older and I kind of have a bit of a better foundation and a grasp on, you know, how life kind of works, I'm I'm like, OK, like I, I feel a lot more like myself when I was young, but uh, with a lot more uh, intention, you mm. know, that's so that's an interesting way to put it. I, I like that. I like that. That's that's kind of how I feel about guttural vocals and death metal. 
I, I, <laughs> I, I loved it when I was 16 and like now it's kind of my, my life's religion. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it's, uh, I think those years are, are, are pivotal, you know? Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Stuff that you can uh, think about music you listen to when you're that age. It just, it creates some kind of like soft spot that, you know, I'd like to believe is really magic and, you know, it, it's like today you think about what 16-year-olds are listening to, and it's like, oh, man, this is trash. But it's like I'm sure they thought mm. what we were listening to at 16 was trash, too. Well, so, that that's that's true, but then there's always those 16-year-olds that are listening to our podcast and, and writing down the, the 1990 death metal demos that we talk about, too. They're they're out there. <laughs> Shout out to them. So, so, Shout out. But but you're right, though. Um. <laughs> Well, that's that. That's kind of a good segue here because you know we're talking about the early days. I, t- you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to like sit you down on the psychoanalyst couch like we're in the Sopranos or something here. You know, I, I, just, <laughs> I had a few questions. Um, just I thought it was really interesting because I grew up in more of a uh, like my father was like a union guy. He worked for uh, an electrical contractor, and nice. um, I, I just think it's a completely different mindset maybe than than uh, it would take to be into computer science and own your own business and that sort of thing. So I just was curious how that influenced um, uh, the way you went about things. But while we're talking about your formative years, uh, you know, we know that you're in a, you're known for more than extreme music, and we'll get into that. But when do you first become aware of of heavy music? If it's punk, if it's hardcore, if it's metal, what you know, whatever. Um, I think the first, I definitely started showing an interest in music and my mom was trying to develop that. And I, I distinctly remember the first time I heard the word metal. It was at like a, a Best Buy or a Walmart or something like that. And I was looking through CDs and my mom was like, you might like metal. And she like started referencing bands. I remember her referencing Metallica, hmm. you know. As like, you know, because they have metal in the in the name pretty much, so it was kind of easy to to grasp. And she she recommended me get a soundtrack, so I got uh, the Mission Impossible Two soundtrack, which I I think had a Metallica song on it. Nice. Sure, it did. sure, huh? <laughs> Damn um, right, it did. Yeah, so that was kind of the beginning, and um, you know, I got into like, I guess like guitar music you know like i was into blank 182 and green day but i was also really into rage against machine really into that band and i uh started playing guitar and then when i found pantera it was all over it was over it was like that next level of like kind of you know like you listen to two or three metallica albums and there was like one section that's like the only section that really like kind of hits you in this this certain way and pantera was like that like every song all <laughs> you know all the time so that really uh yeah yeah blew yeah it off that, that's is, a good cool way to put it now, yeah it's cool because now that i'm older and i hear other people talk about pantera they say the same things they're just like this is the ultimate <laughs> and like i have experiences where like i turned my best friend into metal um he was like really really into like Puff Daddy and Little John, and we were neighborhood friends. And he came over and I had Pantera playing in my room. And he was like, like he admitted later, he was like, "This is pretty cool," but didn't want to say anything at the moment. 
Yeah. It's so, so, so weird how yeah. I, I think every generation it gets a little looser in terms of being able to listen to metal and being able to listen to hip hop. Uh, but it, I remember when I was a kid in the 90s, it was such a distinction. Even with new metal out, it was like you could listen to Rage Against the Machine, but if you started listening to like real like rap music you know every you know it was like oh what are you doing man we like we like metal over here you know and like or or, <laughs> or vice versa if one of the kids that was really into hip-hop and rap like listen to you know green day or rage against the machine all the all his friends would be like what are you doing listening to that stuff man you know it was yeah. like it was just people cared so much back in the day it was weird yeah yeah now it's it's you know when i was growing up i listened to both and like in high school i listened to literally everything um, literally everything. I mean, I had a pretty elitist taste in metal at that point. Like, I was pretty much only listening to, like, the most brutal stuff I could find. But, like, I list I loved, like, Air and Zero Seven. I was a big fan of Bjork. I was a big fan of, like, older acts like Peter Gabriel and Sting was one of my favorite artists. Um, really into hip-hop, too, but, like, Gangstar and Wu-Tang Clan. Not so much into rap. Yeah, like I was into Snoop Dogg, like Rhythm and Gangster was a big album for me. I love that yeah. album. I still do. It's, it's awesome. You, you you bring up Gangstar, um, right there. That's one of my all time favorite hip hop acts. Um, uh, rest yeah. rest in peace, Guru. And and uh, rest in peace. And, and I, you know, just for the listener, and and for you too, just, you know, just to share, Gangstar was a huge part of my formative years in artificial brain. Because I used to take hmm. the, the the train. This is going back about 10, 11 years. I used to take the train out to Queens to um, and then back to Valley Stream here in, in Long Island uh, to, to rehearsal constantly, like once a week or so. And I would always be listening to uh, to Gangstar on my um, my iPod. Man, I always associate that. And and you you bring up a question that I had for you. Listening to Disfiguring the Goddess. Uh, I wanted to ask you if DJs, like DJ Premier of Gangstar, and I also wrote down, if you're familiar, Jay Dilla and Ninth Wonder, if um, mm-hmm. if those DJs played any influence in the way you craft songwriting around samples. I don't know if I took it from, from directly from listening, mm-hmm. but it, it's... Pretty much as soon as I was able to make anything on a computer, I was making everything. Like, I got initially got into computers to record my band, but right away was instantly making beats, all kinds of beats. I was making like experimental electronic music, and then you know music that's inspired by certain aspects of electronic music, like breakbeat or trance or drum and bass or what have you. A lot of ambient stuff. I was really into Moby too. He always made like ambient albums, and then a lot of making a lot of beats too, like just like straight uh, hip hop and rap beats. So when I would make Disfiguring, it was the same exact program that I was making other types of music on. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, it just—I never really thought much about using other elements into Disfiguring. It was just—it just would kind of come together like that, and. I, I think it was a pretty uh, integral part of like my favorite aspects of the energy of early disfiguring the goddess for sure was like using pads 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 that were like chords were my favorite stuff to use just like a weird ambient sound or something I don't know something yeah. about it what was your uh, f- first DAW um 
Logic Express was the first one I really started to get dirty with, but I had a demo of Fruity Loops before that to kind of like, you know, make little little elements. Actually, I, I wrote a lot of songs in Guitar Pro early on, so in some ways, that's not a DAW, but I was able to like write and record things in, in that type of way. Yeah, it's um, definitely um, definitely a way to catalog your sequences, and you know, it's a it's a useful tool. So exactly. why the hell not? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the the interface what came with Pro Tools, so we used Pro Tools for a while, and that was a a true pain for uh, you know someone trying to be creative with it right off the back with you know literally no engineering knowledge at all. Yeah. Um, um, so Logic was the one. Logic Express, and that was that was a that was the one. Yeah, Logic is definitely more intuitive. I use Pro Tools for eight hours a day on average, and I fucking <laughs> hate it. Um, oh, no, do you? Yeah. Damn. Oh yeah, no, I, it's just industry standard. I work I work in cartoons and stuff, and it's just like ooh. I hate that this is what I have to do. <laughs> Remember yeah. when you watch cartoons that people are miserable who make them? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, I don't I don't know if I want to think about that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> no, some of them are pretty good. I'll give it to them. It's more the DAW, though. You know. It's what a miserable program, but either way, yeah. It's, it, I tried to get into it recently when I got my PC because I was so used to writing disfiguring on uh, on Logic that I tried to write or I ported over an old album I wrote it, wrote in Logic to my PC because I have like a, the Universal Audio stuff and all my plugins on my PC. So I was like, let me use Pro Tools because I'm also like I've learned a little bit about like you know mixing and bussing and I, I like like the idea of a console so i think if you have that mindset into pro tools like the mixing aspect and the routing is oh is really cool oh it's i mean it is so useful like i can do anything in it it's not about that it's just clunky yeah, yeah, and crashes yeah. all the time and you know it's, it's a pain it, I, yeah. I switched everything out of it because yeah what, what, like, what are you using this now is not enabling uh ableton live okay that's nice that's yeah very intuitive is. Good Very stuff. intuitive. Mm -hmm. It's got a ni nice flow to it now. They've definitely worked out some kinks that I think five years ago made things a little annoying. Like busing was a pain, and now busing is like I think most people don't even realize that they're busing when they're doing it. You know? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I haven't spent enough time in Ableton, but um, I know a lot of people use it and they love it. Yeah, it's sick. It really is. The new updates look a lot more uh, like they're catering to, uh, you know, recording. There's like a, a addition multi-take recording feature that's going into it that uh, looks pretty cool. I mean, it's not. I haven't gotten it yet, but it just it's cool to see that they're pushing that direction. You know. Yeah. No. For sure. I mean, that's that's what we're all looking for when you're sitting in front of. A computer all day and you're trying to write some shit how how are you gonna do it easier mm -hmm. how, how, are gonna, how are you gonna not hate it and mm -hmm. uh, man that's that's a big part so i gotta check out some ableton for funsy Definitely. ones you know i miss reason man reason Working. yeah <clears throat> reason was fun yeah. you ever messing around with that one i did i used re uh redrum and reason for my initial yeah programming yeah, that's, but that's, I, I didn't know how to make anything. I just knew how to like make drum loops and export them to audio. 
Same. Yeah. Uh, and but most of the time, I was just hitting tabs so that the rack would switch around. You see the cables just kind of flop around. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. yeah. You know, and then yeah. most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's, a, it's really just about the the dynamics of that. That was great. Great dynamics. That was good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's rich. So uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't good at it. So. <laughs> I, I actually know what you're talking about, too, because uh, I used to um, shout out to my friend Justin Reganzi. He used to use Reason and Fruity Loops and all this stuff back in the early 2000s when we would try to make like like mixtapes and hip hop songs and stuff. So I remember the, 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 the little digital wires. That you would I'm have, saying. Like it, like it looked like the best. Yeah, it was, it was, that, was a, that was like a very good selling point for that. Playing with the wires. Yeah. Like I, just it was, plug, yeah. I, just, I just like plug a wire into every single hole and I'm like. Well, why isn't it working? Oh, I guess I'll do something else. Then. <laughs> this program sucks. <laughs> I thought I won. Oh, damn it. So, all right. So, um, now just you know, you talked about high school and and music and stuff like that, and um, uh, all the different types of music going on. You mentioned with electronic music, you got trance, you got uh, drum and bass, you got dubstep. There's a lot of different subgenres there that I'm not familiar with. And I know that you DJ and release music under the name Big Chocolate. If I got everything right, what what would you describe it as? Um, I mean, it's kind of interesting. His Big Chocolate started off as almost like a persona. Like, you remember, like in MySpace, when everyone had like a, I guess now the the, the word would be handle, but you had like a display name that was like an alter ego of sorts and many bands would use like nicknames or stage names for people yes like i i thought it would be really funny if i was big chocolate and it just i started using it and so it became it kind of stuck with like my metal and whatnot like especially on youtube and i just decided to call my electronic music that just to get uh more attention from that world and it just, it really just stuck. And I remember at a, at a time when I was like 23 years old and I was touring really heavy as Big Chocolate at this point and, you know, getting pretty well known and I had some like bigger songs under Big Chocolate and some kind of acclaimed work at, you know, for where I was at and whatnot. And I remember having this, this night where I was laying in bed and I was like, I can't believe that I'm Big Chocolate. And I can't <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I couldn't change. Like people ask me sometimes, Are you gonna change it? I'm like, I couldn't change it if I tried. Like it's just who I am at this point. Like people, they don't even think of it as like a music thing. Like it, hence its popularity in people who know me as Big Chocolate and Metal. Still, it's like it's. I think that's a, a, a. They're not referring to like my EDM. They're referring to me. You know. So it's yeah, interesting. The, yeah. The fact that you type Big Chocolate into Google and like you're first. And all the novelty size Hershey's are second. Like that's a big company to compete with, man. You cannot fuck with that SOT. <laughs> that's cool. Very I didn't fun. even think about that. Nah, yeah, yeah, it's great. You did you, you put a lot of time on the internet when it was it was asking for creators like you, and man, it, it shows. It so. worked, man, because like back in the MySpace days, like those vocal videos you were putting up, like your voice just sounded chocolatey. Like it was a perfect descriptor <laughs> for it. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I wasn't just really like worked. a serious person. I wasn't like, um, and by serious I mean like super brutal. Like I wasn't like trying to, I wasn't like a, um, you know, I was like a happy-go-lucky kind of person. So I, yeah. I, I didn't want to like give off a vibe that I was like 
kind of the cliches of metal, like I was like angry and hated things and stuff. I just like, nah, nah, I just love metal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, well, I was really into metal. I wore a lot of band tees and stuff, but I, I, I definitely was always kind of gave off a positive energy. So I, I, I kind of liked how Big Chocolate like cut the edge and made a lot of opened up a lot of room to be like myself and kind of more goofy, you know. Yeah, man. Um, well, you know, it also, it, it kind of, you know, you, you say like it's your EDM persona, but I mean, disfiguring the, the goddess definitely transcends uh, your, your death metal norms. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy to put into a box and categorize, you know, which is why I enjoy it. And while we're talking about this, this feels like an appropriate question right now. We usually wait till the end, but we do allow our Patreon uh, uh, pledges who listen to the program to ask a question every once in a while. And one question we got for you uh, was our listener, Taylor Schrank. Shout out to him. Wants to Taylor ask. Taylor Schrank. Yeah. Wants to ask, who's your favorite lost slash forgotten MySpace band or project? Hell yeah. Oh, I mean, I got a bunch of those. Um, <laughs> that was an era, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It certainly was. Um, I would say Robinson, sick grindcore band. Uh, old fashioned knife fight, sick like death grind grind band. Um, man, there's a few death metal bands that I'm thinking of. There's a couple from New York I'm thinking of. Partisan Turbine was cool. Oh, I remember them. them. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. Partisan Turbine. To them. Yeah, they were sick. Yeah. Uh, wow. There's one other one that's driving me nuts right now that I can't recall. Ugh. It's a. Oh, I was just on the tip of my head right there, but. It, Damn it! <laughs> oh man, I oh uh, yeah, that that one's gonna be hard. But they were they were like a another New York kind of death metal band. Hmm. Now I'm man, now, now I'm so wondering. Sick. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm um, implosive discordance. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Implosive discordance, good band. There was like an era. MySpace had a nice defining era to it. Be, they had like you know because they had those those genres you could pick three genres mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and bands would pick death metal grindcore and hardcore, and hardcore. And, yeah that's that's a sweet spot and it really was all three of those genres and I think over time it just kind of got summed into the tagline deathcore and deathcore does not resonate the same way that using those three tags resonated for me. <laughs> mm. you're, you're right, though. You're right. Though. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm going to blow your mind if you don't know about this already, but my, my buddy Jake Zimmerman turned me on to this. Uh, archive.org um, is like the inter- the archive of the internet. Um, and there are certain like <clears throat> people that go on there and they, they have uh, projects to archive like different pieces of art and history and things that are going on or whatever. So he sent me a link to uh, this old band that Tom and I were in on archive.org as a part of the MySpace Metal and Alternative Archive Project, uh, where this project aims to create an archive, I'm quoting this, archive for any and every shred of metal and alternative style music between 2001 and 2012 uh, wow. from wow. the time frame that could be considered the Wild West of metal bands uh, wow. in, in MySpace days. So strictly off MySpace. So they're Ooh. they're like archiving old MySpace So this is a thing. Audio. This is a thing outside Seriously of our conversation. This, yeah. Like there's people actively archiving this MySpace generation. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's like archive.org slash MySpace scene or something like that. 
Um, wow. But yeah, Amazing. Google that. Check it out. Uh, I've I've lost a few hours in here just finding some Biolich uh, was well sort of defined fun. by the MySpace era. My my old band Bio. We had a we had two eras to Biolich, and the second era was MySpace all the way. The MySpace caused a lot of problems in, internally for that band. <laughs> the, my, the, the, the MySpace drama. Who, who would have yeah. thought MySpace drama was kind of like the like the infant state of like the current like divisive debauchery that, that like is just destroying the world. Like it all <laughs> yeah. it all started with like people like posting metal, metal on MySpace. Pretty much. Oh, oh god! Man. I was I was booking fucking tours through MySpace Messenger and shit. Like oh that. yeah, it, like really it used fun. to go down, man. It used to go. Oh, down. Yeah. I, I I was there. I was there. Um. All right. So. Word. Uh, MySpace, um, uh, uh, DJs, all that stuff. So now you mentioned going around and DJing uh, when you were much younger. Uh, like, how old are you when you start performing live as a DJ? Um, I mean, I started playing like house parties when I was about eighteen in high school, still. And then when I was nineteen, I probably played a couple like Southern California raves. I moved back down to Huntington Beach after I graduated and played like a couple like, you know, indoors soccer centers, raves and stuff. And I kind of pigeon back that off of like disfiguring like the promoter for those those parties was actually a, a metal fan. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you're DJing now. Do you want to play these raves? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the real kind of uh, pivoting moment Cause it was kind of like I was, I was making like smaller mixes, like ten-minute mixes and stuff. I wasn't trying to like get into, like a scene or anything. I wasn't really into dance music yet. Like I was, I, I wasn't a listener of it. I listened to like drum and bass and, you know, like trance music and random stuff. But I wasn't like trying, trying to build a collection as a DJ. I didn't really have an influence as a, kind of like a DJ yet. Um, I would say my first real big influence as a DJ was the Bloody Beetroots. I don't know if you guys know who they are. I love like. the Bloody Beetroots. Okay, cool. Yeah, I saw them, like, some live video of them, and I was like, they, they just look like a rock and roll band. And I was like, I could do that for sure. Like, that's, yes. That's sick. I'm about this stuff. And, they were very fun. You know, so, uh, but the real kind of how that really got going was um, I was I was doing, like, the the crossover stuff kind of just doing everything actually do you guys know who steve joe is no i do not no. nope okay nope. Two he's, first a, names, he's a legendary a r agent he's now a r at prosthetic but at the time he was a r at century media and he signed a bunch of bands over there but he signed like a bunch of like the kind of the a lot of new wave of uh, 2010 bands he signed suicide silence he signed winds of plague he signs i wrestled the bear once he was like kind of signing those bands, and you guys know who Finn McKenty is. Uh, yeah, he's the uh, the gentleman. What, what is he? He has that YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, used to work for Metal Sucks. Now he does that. Um, yeah. Like history of hardcore or something like that. He's all over the place. Or what killed he's all this? Over the place. Yeah, yeah. He's awesome. He, he he's he's been a friend for a long time. He as Sergeant D had a like a metal uh, blog. And did one of my early, early interviews, and he was in, interested in. I mean, he's, he's, he's. You know, if you kind of, the more you consume his content, you kind of get to this guy's like 
really, uh, he has like a really intuitive way of perceiving and thinking and noticing and highlighting. He's got, he's got a real, uh, interesting, unique knack for it. So it's really awesome to see his success as an individual right now. I think it's a huge deal, um, you know, for basically his, his, you know, personal, I don't want to say legacy, but also like people who know him, like it's, it's awesome to see him like thrive right now as an individual doing that, like talking about the things he wants to talk about. So it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. But he, he, uh, he also had an old website called uh, "Your Scene." Your scene sucks. Or, no stuff you will hate. Stuff you will hate, which was like a scene mm-hmm. blog. And he had a metal blog, and he wow. interviewed me for his metal blog. And he was talking about how I do, was into different kinds of music and stuff. And Steve Joe read it and was interested in uh, kind of what I was about, and you know was interested in disfiguring and whatnot, and just was like maybe we could do something with this kid. Steve Joe's very. Uh, very intuitive and he loves getting things done and getting things going and he's just a brilliant A&R guy like I you know he just he's awesome like he's done awesome stuff at Prosthetic too like he's 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 always going to be doing great stuff you know even outside of metal like he's just everything he's into is just is just awesome awesome individual so it's it's a it's a real blessing he's uh kind of been you know building metal in in a weird in a weird way for the past i don't know probably a couple decades i'm not sure when he got totally started but he's he's just awesome like and he's got like old weird throwback stories of like i think he's got like some like old like i mean this might be wrong but it was like an old like burn the cross lamb of god crossover where he like i i don't know like he just everyone likes him and he's <laughs> You know, he he just like he's he's really smart and a lot. I don't know. I I can't. I gotta stop because I can can't say enough <laughs> good things about these guys. I love you, Steve Joe. I love you, Finn McKenty. Like you guys are the best. But it that combo of people kind of what got me going because Steve Joe was like, well, let's. He was interested in disfiguring the goddess. He was interested in me as an individual, and he was like, well, Suicide Silence is doing this like single, like a like a a seven inch pressing of disengage from no time to bleed he's like maybe you could remix it or something i don't know he was like i literally had no idea he, and i didn't either i wasn't like you know some dj producer i just was like really just goofing around going going with the flow and had a lot of uh you know energy and motivation to just keep doing what i was doing and he was like well why don't you meet mitch because he lives in huntington beach too so i, I went out and, and met mitch i remember the first time i met him and it was, uh, I'll never forget it. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Mitch Lucker in person, but he's super tall, he's super handsome, and he had, like, <laughs> badass tattoos, and his, his just, like, energy was so awesome. Like, just, like, one of the coolest people I've, I've ever uh, been around. And, you know, I had the privilege to be around and, you know, honor to call a friend and whatnot eventually but just he just was awesome and you know he, he would come over we had a formed a relationship after the story i'm going to tell you but he would come over to the house and stuff and you know my family i lived with my aunt and uncle down in huntington and they just adored him and you know he's just he's just super super cool i don't know how else to describe it just the coolest super real like i you know i picked that up right away just even at my young age just him like 
ordering too many pastries at Starbucks that day. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the, the interview, the the project went good. The 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 remix, and then like two weeks after I turned it in, he called me one day randomly, and I was like, right, you know, what's going on? And he's like, hey, like this remix is pretty cool. Like, what if we made original music that's like this remix? And I'm like, all right, I'm super, I'm I love this idea, and uh, we. That's it, literally how it started. I would like write a metal song and then remix it, and then I would show him like the first thirty seconds and the vibe, and then we'd kind of talk about it. And I'd get like you know reenthused on the direction, and we kind of taken took each song like that. And he's kind of what more got me into dubstep. Like he was, I sh- I think I might have showed him dubstep, but he was like who the one who told me it was like this is really cool stuff. He was all into like his sound system in his car and we'd drive around and like blast early dubstep and you know it was definitely great times but uh he at the time i was really into youtube and vlogging and when i say really into i mean i got a video camera one day and just like wouldn't stop filming everything and i didn't know what to do with the footage it was just like random footage of my life so i instantly started a, a separate youtube channel called camera every day where i was just making a video every day. I didn't really think much about it. It was like before YouTubers were a thing. I, I knew vlogging was a thing. It was definitely like video logs, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It was it was just, uh, I guess, a, com- a compartment of like my energy at the time. Like I just was like doing a bunch of stuff. So it was really, it was really a fun tool. And uh, so I was making videos all the time back then and they were going off on Warp Tour 2010 and they needed a video guy and I was making music with Mitch and they're having like a meeting about it. And Mitch was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's just bring Cam because he films everything anyways and we can make music with them. And everyone was like, all right. Like they're all kind of hesitant because I was like 19 years old at the time. So they're like, I don't know if I want this kid around, you know, but, the, you know, but uh, Mitch, Mitch was uh, the one who was like, nah, he's cool. He's, he's, he's coming with us. And. You know, Mitch, Mitch uh, had a, a strong voice in that band, and so I got to come out, and you know, he's like, bring your turntables. So I brought my turntables, and we played a couple after parties that were, I don't even remember what was going on, like basically just setting up speakers and playing music, but the fact that there's turntables makes it like cooler, I guess, you know? So we didn't, none of us knew what the hell we were doing, and uh, Kevin Lineman got wind of it somehow, and Steve Joe went to meet with him about bands playing the following year and Kevin Lyman knew that Steve and I had a relationship and he was like tell me about Big Chocolate and like he gave uh, Steve Joe an, an offer for me to play Warp Tour 2011 and that was kind of like the moment where I was like ah like alright like let's let's do this thing like you know let's let's make some some dance music and at the time I just ended up happening to get a lot more into dance music so I just kind of I, I had like a new goal you know like I had a stage coming up and a date coming up for me to you know be at so it, it kind of uh, put a nice uh, deadline on you know kind of my uh, goofing around with music and stuff when I say goofing around I, I mean I just was doing it a lot I wasn't like goofing around like you know I just didn't have like much of a direction but I was doing music a lot I wasn't really goof- goofing around with my intent and energy but I just didn't have like a a, a target, really. You well, know? yeah. I mean, when you're when you don't have a deadline, you're basically goofing around. 
It doesn't yeah, matter exactly. what you're doing. You might be folding laundry, but, you know, if the basket's still loaded, you're just goofing. <laughs> now you, now you had this goal and you had to focus, right? Yeah. It's good. Everyone so needs that. Yeah, it's an awesome opportunity to uh, to play Warp Tour like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So I just, you know, I'm, I moved home back to Nevada and just, like, hustled on music and also, like, promoting myself through YouTube, through these daily videos. Like, I was kind of making a video every day and filming what I was doing in, like, a summary and then uploading it. And also having like a relationship with people who are watching it, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I remember like being really nervous about going into it because I didn't know what to expect. And uh, like you can do warp tour and literally play for like five or like zero people every single day. It's like just because there's, you know, I don't know how many people go to that, ten thousand people or twenty thousand people at a, at certain shows doesn't mean there's you know anyone watching you. Oh, you so get that nervous. 11 o'clock spot, you know, you get that breakfast yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was fun. nervous, and I I, uh, I had a fantastic year. I was really pleasant, pleasantly surprised by, like, the amount of people kind of kind of coming out. It was really the perfect market for me because I, I just the mix of the stuff I was doing at the time, I think, really appealed to that specific, you know, group of, like, alternative kids. And, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, you know, it's no way to tell, like, if they all knew who I was or just word of mouth. But also I was the only, I was the first and only like dance DJ to play warp tour. So like I think when that and that was also like when Skrillex was kind of like booming. So people were just in the States, just the kids and this alternative like kind of newer wave progressive form of, you know, dance music, I guess. I don't know. I mean that's a whole nother conversation with where I'm at now with dance music and how I look at like you know, EDM and whatnot, like from club music, dance music and club culture to like, you know, EDM culture. It's, I, I don't know, it's, there's a whole nother discussion there. But at the time, I, you know, I think it was just a, you know, really being in the right place at the right time, many, many, many times, and then doing a good job with the opportunity that was presented to me. And, uh, you know, after that, that's kind of when I started getting more into dance music. Like after, after that, Steve Joe was working with me. He was like uh, kind of helping me out, getting my footing and stuff. And he got me my first uh, booking agent. Shout out JJ. Um, and uh, JJ started booking me at uh, like basically playing like clubs and whatnot. And the first time I started playing clubs with JJ, I wasn't uh, I wasn't even um, old enough. So it was like kind of weird. I had to like play in like VIP spots. I wasn't 20 years old. So what you now? But what what year are we talking about when you're talking about that? This is 2011. So I, okay. Yeah, so like yeah, and I probably played a couple gigs. Um, before before uh, warp warp tour where I was like not old enough to play at you know proper clubs, but they were 21 over clubs and. They're kind of weird about me because I wasn't super popular, so it wasn't like you know sometimes like now when there's like a kid that's like blowing up and he's 20 years old, it's like you know they throw him anywhere like no one cares. But I was like, people what? were just kind of like booking me, I guess, and you know this wasn't a lot of bookings, maybe just a small handful, but I definitely had some of those experiences. And uh, afterwards, I started to get you know play a lot and uh, slowly but surely kind of get more into the culture and the scene, but I was still kind of a producer at heart. And my my DJ sets were like eclectic, 
performances of me playing music that I was producing, but also into. I, you know, it was uh, pretty limited as a DJ in a lot of ways. I switched to performing in Ableton versus performing with turntables, just to kind of like further sell the point that I was producing music, um, not just not just a DJ. And uh, I, I got, you know, as the years went on, I started playing some stuff that I was kind of maturing to and also some awesome experiences. Like the the main one, with, with if, if I have to talk about one thing, it was uh, ultra, uh, no, uh, Movement Festival, Movement Music Festival in Detroit, which is a techno festival. And it just changed like the way I looked at it. It, it, it answered a lot of things I, I kind of like wanted there to be in the scene without knowing that that was like basically what the scene really was like minimal music that was repetitive that had a lot of you know sound system appeal that would rock these parties and you could do it with like this kind of like swagger and finesse and uh i i that's what that's what i saw there like i saw these djs playing basically techno and house and just like showing up with the USB drive, plugging in, and like, literally, it, it, it seems like they're doing magic, even, you know, they're playing just tracks and mixing them together, but like just the, the, the flow of things and the energy with that many people and that like types of sound systems, I was like, oh wow, like you're definitely, I don't, like now I look at it, I, I, I have a different opinion on it, but at the time, I was like, you're doing it wrong. You need to, like, really learn about this stuff. And now I look back and I was like, no, you were doing it right. You had you had the right energy. You're playing great sets. You know, your sets were eclectic and cool and kind of a, a nice, like, almost like a pre-reflection of where I'm at now as a DJ. But, uh, you know, I definitely had the right kind of feeling of, of, like, you know, you really need to, like, learn more about this culture and, you know, the, the, the craft, I should say, and how the craft plays into the culture. I think I was kind of hacking aspects of that without really gripping them. But it doesn't mean I wasn't, I was doing a fake job. It just meant I wanted to be more thorough with my, uh, my foundation, you know. And uh, yeah, I actually took a few years off of DJing after that. I took 14 off, 15 off, 16 I started to kind of gig again. And then 17 I, I signed with a uh, underground dubstep um, booking agency called Submission. Shout out Submission. Great people over there. Um, shout out Corey. Shout out Nicole. Um, shout out, you know, the other Corey too. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they kind of booked me on like some sound system type parties where it was definitely not about EDM. It was about like sound systems and good DJs. So I got to like experience that a little bit. And then uh, right before, like the very end of 2019, I signed with a kind of a more rave bass music um agent who i've known for a long time and uh then there was no shows in 2020 so it was actually a blessing because i just moved to austin texas from living in like the desert in nevada for too long way too isolated for too long i kind of got like through this kind of like depressive phase in my life i wouldn't say sad but i would say like really isolated and kind of removed and that just that just does things to you and then some negative ways but also yeah. you know when you pull out of that you you pull out first you know you really pull out with a lot of intentions because when you're down just it's way easier to, to remain down and then it takes a lot of work to kind of come up again and to put your feet back down and and whatnot but you know when, when you're coming up 
it's like that's who you you build who you really are you know like there's a quote i like that i've been hearing recently that's like you know like uh the success it's this part of the success at the top is not what you get it's who you become on your way to the top so like like a lot of uh the last few years when i was really kind of figuring out like how to get out of this like isolated depressive state you know and and be who i am at my fullest potential like it it's uh you know when when, the, when it brought me to austin and uh which was a, a great sign great progress and then everything got grounded and some of my best friends in dance music live in austin interesting enough so it was great it's like right away i was like oh this is going to be the best year ever <laughs> like like you guys none of no one's going to be touring we're all going to be stuck at home all year like we're going to get it in and got it get it in we did like all we did all year was dj together and i think a lot of producers and and dance music either took the entire year off and played call of duty all year or um they produced a lot or made different types of music or whatnot but we all like triple downed on just the art of djing basically and we just spent all, every day all day just basically looking for music and djing and spending time in the the music the program that organizes music on it's like a like a crazy version of iTunes that you can export uh your playlist to little USB drives that you can take to the the gear that's made by the same company to play it out and so we spent a ton of time in that and like anytime one of us learned something we'd tell the other people and so we were all kind of like wow helping each other ride these waves we were we were kind of discovering and uh it was a crucial crucial year for uh myself and for sure. I, the people i was with last year and you know that's i uh i i don't know i i i i uh, i'm just if it, it feels like like kind of divine being here at this time with the people <clears throat> here like i just like know that i brought this uh this energy that I couldn't I like I wouldn't have had the year last year if I was in any other part of of the the world with you know any other people so it was just like and I know the people last year I was with w wouldn't would agree that it wouldn't have been the same experience without me either so it was just like all of us being here together was like crucial like we just we just killed it last year and that's, uh, that's awesome man I'm glad like a change of scenery and like making the best out of like a, a bad year you know for for so many people like you, you you put your best foot forward and really like attacked it with uh, positive intentions um, to make that lemonade make that sweet sweet lemonade out of these out of these gross lemons you know what I'm saying Definitely. so yeah and everybody's all down and I was trying to like let everyone now like know that like you know you're you're the best way to make use of your empathy is to double down on yourself and to yeah. do the best you can do. And so you can, you know, bring whatever you can bring to other people that you're going to bring the, the best to other people when you're, you know, really rocking it. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're, uh, you know, if you're a poo -poo, if you're all poo, -poo. Yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah. Be do you, does that speak to also how um, uh, people have heard a, a little bit more from Disfiguring the Goddess uh, in the last two years than than in several years prior? You put out uh, in 2019, obviously, you put out Caterpillar, and then you just recently put out The Soothe. Uh, it's an EP, if I, if I got it right. Yeah. So last Disfiguring albums were the very end of 2013, 
So 2014 is kind of when I was like, um, I need to take a little break. And um, I actually, I wrote Disfiguring the Goddess. Like I, I wrote a whole album in 2015 that I, I didn't release. I'm actually going to release it this year. I'm pretty sure I'm going to call it Carnival with a K. Um, and that that's that's a sick album because it it kind of it's the true predecessor to Deprive and Black Earth Child. So I think it 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 will really kind of fill out the catalog in this like like a, oh here's the missing piece in a way and Caterpillar like I mean the process with Carnival was kind of like it sounds great I I loved writing it but when it came down to like that final like twenty percent ten percent of effort to 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 make it work. I literally couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Like the whole album was written, it sounded great. I couldn't finish the vocals. I couldn't finish like the cohesiveness that it needed. And I, I tried for like months. I would I changed my scenery up three times. I tried finishing that album in three different locations for like dedic dedicated parts of time. Like I went to Boise, Idaho for like three weeks one time to try and finish it. And I like I could barely make any progress with it. So at a certain point I, I didn't I didn't really throw in the towel, but I, I I started riffing and demoing just new stuff, and I I wrote uh that uh what's the song called from Caterpillar? Don't you want to meet us? This track two on there, and that was like okay, this is this is definitely like the vibe and the tone of a new album, and this is this is the next album. Um, I I was in the middle of this whole like picking myself up from my bootstraps and planting my feet down, so it was kind of like a really transformative album for me more so personally than uh i guess uh sonically or what have you or you know i mean there's a lot there's a lot of personal elements into that album like in in some ways and the reception was was really interesting um i mean i you know when you you know you know kind of things like i knew that album was like gonna really be like not a fun experience putting it out for some reason like mm. sometimes I, I i don't feel great on like days when i release music and when like when that album came out was like a really bad day for me like i just i was just in like a bad mood i was not happy and the album took like way too long to finish you know every everything that is annoying about making music was kind of going down with that one and um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Like when I listen to it now, I'm like, this is a sick album. And I, I, I really truly believe that in time people will talk about that album and listen to that album for us forever. You know, they'll, it'll be a topic of conversation in the disfiguring the goddess lore for a long time. So, you know, when people talk about it, I'm like, well, you're, you're still listening and talking about it. So there yeah, must be something yeah. to it. It's, it's, it's uh, it, you know, sometimes polarizing just means it's, you know, it, uh, it has uh, some staying power. But with that being said, though, when you went to do, you know, you know, like you said, there was pe people launched some criticism at Caterpillar and maybe it's a little bit different in terms of the catalog. I did enjoy. I actually likened the production on Caterpillar to some of like my favorite, like guttural death metal bands, like maybe the Turkish Cenotaph. Or Discords from California's older work before they were really very well produced. You know, it had that yeah. kind of kind of raw demo quality. You know, yeah, and that that's what I really enjoyed about it. And honestly, like uh, one of the other reasons that I, I wasn't really active with Disfiguring publicly was I just was not into the scene. I was not mm -hmm. really into 
extreme metal the way I was the decade prior. Like there was just nothing really like there's nothing really tickling me about anything. Like there was especially with those like those types of sounds. Like nothing was really kind of hitting it the same way. Like even bands that I liked that were still making music, their newer records were not like doing it um in this this same way so i, I kind of was just trying to like you know this stuff's supposed to like this stuff's supposed to sound i i remember telling i worked with a, a mastering engineer on that one and i remember like trying to like discuss with him around the process and be like i want this to sound like it was recorded in a bush <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to sound bad it's supposed to sound bad but that's you know there's there's a energy it's 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 not about like how it sounds it's about how it feels you know like it's yeah. all about the yeah. feeling of 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 these things and i st- caterpillar you know it went through like i don't like the process of me overworking that album i think me spending so much time on certain aspects of the mixing and ex- i guess kind of experimenting and trying to make it sound finished even though it was never going to sound finished type of record i think kind of um it, you know, I, it leaves some type of uh, some feelings for me, but I, I you know, I, I, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, there's no mistake wrong with it. Like, I think sonically, it sounds sounds awesome. The vinyl sounds awesome too. Like, it's the only disfiguring record I've ever pressed to vinyl, and it's it's like when I listen to it on on vinyl, I'm like, damn, this is a this is a sick record. Especially because like, you can listen to it slower, faster, and I'm like, this is so <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, well, with with that being said, with 2020's soothe. Um, I, th- I think uh, maybe it's maybe it's fair to say that some of those critics of Caterpillar were a little bit more pleased with Soothe. Not that we ever really care what the critics are going to say or the haters are going to say, but I yeah. really I really enjoy Soothe, and that's where I that listening to Soothe is where I came up with the question about how maybe DJs like DJ Premier might have influenced your work because there's some really cool like subtle uh, sample work in there. Um, not that it's the first time you've done that, but Soothe really um, it's kind of like to, to sound a little bit cliche, maybe, but it's like a return to form. You know, it's it's kind of like it's what people really want from disfiguring the goddess. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a pivotal pivotal moment in like the the, I guess the potential of what disfiguring the goddess really is. I think people who really like that project don't think of it as the same way they think of like another death metal or deathcore band. I think they yeah. they appreciate this experimental aspect to it and i think everyone is like a little they have like an empty feeling about how it 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 kind of did not continue on but i truly believe and everyone i think has this kind of feeling right now especially everyone with my team like everyone kind of working on disfiguring for this this year like we all feel like like disfiguring's true power period is this next decade like mm. this is this is and it's it's the perfect scene for it i think there's a real like empty pit for like a, an alternative heavy sound to kind of do yeah. something yeah well i, I think you're you're right because the 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 kind of quote unquote slam or death core or whatever you want to call it scene like you said before the term death core doesn't really hit the same way as like death metal hardcore grindcore or whatever i think it's Mm -hmm. just for whatever reason people want something fresh and uh the only the only band in the extreme music category that i really compare disfiguring the goddess to even though it doesn't sound like it would be libido airbag 
from Germany. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, uh-uh. but they do more of a drum and bass. They, they, you know, you'd probably know the terminology better than I do. Uh, but they mix electronic music, but they, they, it's guys from the German band gut and they sample gore grind and grindcore and death metal and have been making kind of like, um, uh, jungle music or, or house music or whatever with that, with guttural vocals done over it like in real time not sampled like a guy actually doing the guttural vocals that was a band more from the 90s into the 2000s and again they don't sound like disfiguring the goddess but it's the only thing that i can compare it to really that branches those two types of musics like in the same way that's that's interesting i can't wait to check that out because i gut sounds kind of familiar but libido airbag certainly doesn't Definitely check out Libido Airbag. It's uh, you might find it very interesting, given that you kind of you straddle both of those worlds too. Although you know you, you guys do it in a, in very different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's a couple things about Soothe that that went into it that I feel like are really what make it what it is, and I think are what kind of reigniting a lot of. Uh, excitement and passion for disfiguring the goddess and everything I, I talk about like from a, a fan or a listener perspective is the same exact feeling I have like I really feel very connected to like how other people feel about disfiguring because I kind of feel the same way about it like like the biggest influence from disfiguring the for disfiguring the goddess is is for sure disfiguring the goddess like it's it's bizarre. Like I I do things with that project that I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is very disfiguring the goddess. Or I'll I'll like I'll be inspired by certain riffs that are older or things that are concepts or things I've done in the past that I I don't really remember these things I was doing in the past being specifically inspired by something. So it's it's kind of a weird like feedback loop with that project right now, which is 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 fun. But uh, you know the 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 elements to soothe that I think really relay to like electronic music and stuff because the I mean there's there's elements to the production like the bass guitar is is a it's a it's a VST so it has like this there's like a there's a sonic aspect to it that when you like m- put it together with the drums and the guitar it like has this like machine like um presence about it and I think it's like all like the, the drums, the bass, and the guitar are like one machine in a way. And you know, there's the drums. I think definitely have the most groove, but everything is like the the drums, the bass, and the guitar are really kind of glued together. Mm-hmm. And the the drums complement it, but also kind of carry it. Like there's a couple things about that album that no one's noted, which cracked me up. And I, I haven't talked about them because I don't want people to think about it because I, I don't think about it. I mean, it, I love it. I love these aspects about it. And I think these aspects about it feed into it why the album feels like so round and circular. Like you can just repeat it a bunch of times and each time you kind of like fall into the groove of it. And it's like it, it picks up it like it, it, it comes in really hard and then it lets off really soft. And I think by the end of that you can kind of hit it again and it's a short enough album that you can kind of keep hitting it and it you know each time you hit it there'll be certain aspects and moments that you really like but at at the same time those aspects can be very repetitive like there's just like these 
instead of like there's a couple moments like little tiny moments like on flattery the the breakdown before like the I, it's funny because the term breakdown in metal is like the part where it hits but to me like in dance music a breakdown is the part where things fade out mm-hmm. so like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll look at like the part before a breakdown as the breakdown and the, the, the actual quote unquote breakdown is just like the impact after the breakdown so it's it's a uh, I don't know kind of a different way of looking at it but I, I think that's like the real way of looking at like what a breakdown is it's like you're really breaking down the beat to its simplest form and then you build it back up again so to me yeah. that's kind of it makes more sense to call like the quietest part of the song the breakdown not the most intense part um typically they're kind of you know next to each other in, in some type of fashion but like in flattery there's a part where it's like like a little choir note that hits like every once in a while like there's there's cool moments like that there's a couple samples that will play that are like kind of one shots and like those are cool moments but all in all like most of the, like the 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 grippiness of the album is very repetitive like there's like a groove that will that will take shape and there'll be like a siren that just like plays for like a minute and a half or you know like would you agree is the same riff with the same sample with the same drums kind of going behind it like the only thing that really changes up is the is some aspects of the vocal you know there's a couple structure breaks but i feel like we're getting into of... spoilers right now how about some, yeah everybody just check out that record <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah definitely yeah. definitely yeah. don't give but... away too many of the secrets now you know what i mean <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, see, that's why I haven't said some of the things that I think make the album what the album really is. I'm like, you know, there's, there's, because people haven't talked about how simple it is. It's really a simple record if you think about it. Like, there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's simple. Like, there's not a lot going on. It's, it's very, um, I think, digestible from a, uh, especially a, crea- a, like a creative standpoint. Like, the elements are very layered. You know, I think the way I mixed it kind of set it off how it's being set off right now with like the samples really being a consistent element. They're not really like this part that kind of comes in like an old disfiguring. There'd be like, you know, layers of samples like, you know, I have a lot of synths on a breakdown and like again, like a breakdown, like where the things fade out, there'll be like, synths will come in or like I'll have a lot of ambient pads that will come into like kind of bring a different... Well- like yeah. texture or vibe but soothe is like it's like a main part it's like just as present as like the vocals are in yeah. a lot of ways yeah that's what that's what i wanted to ask you about the samples on that on uh that soothe and all this stuff we're talking about just for the listeners um you have a band camp page for uh big chocolate with um a lot of different releases and also for disfiguring the goddess with uh, most of your releases the most recent being soothe the one we uh, we were speaking about um and uh you've also been doing the uh disfiguring the podcast on youtube um the last several months which is a great resource for music you kind of just go through a lot of classic music bigger bands more independent bands and stuff like that and talk about it um uh and i I, so i know you've been doing doing that too Uh, uh, is there anything else uh any other platforms any other projects that you got going on right now um i've been getting more into twitch i'm i'm uh i appreciate that about those shout outs for sure um the the podcast has been fun it's uh i think i got the 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 form of it pretty much down but i've been doing a lot on twitch and uh i try on twitch just to stream 
every single time I'm working on music. Like if I'm on my PC working, I, I use it as like an accountability tool. Mm. Like there's a timer, which I like, because it tells you how long you've been working. There's like people watching you, so it's like you can't like, you know, stare into space or, you know, watch random, you know, go on some random unrelated YouTube tangent for 20 that, minutes. That would or give something. me anxiety, man. Have, a, qu- have a quick wag. Should, should yeah. I Twitch stream when I'm researching for the interviews? <laughs> like, it's, I can't. it's kind of fun because I think there's a pressure to have like, like a lot of people watching you or something. But even if like a few people are watching you, it gives you like the same vibe as like, when you have friends come over mm-hmm. and just sit in a couch behind you as you like talk and look at stuff on the internet, it kind of feels like that in a way. Like, so some, it really gives me the vibe of like when I was in high school I and I would that. have friends come over and they just would hang out for like an hour while I was like working or whatever and you'd strike mm-hmm. up conversations and they're, they're, you know, their vibe would kind of influence what you're doing, but you know, always in a positive way, you know, so. So it, it kind of feels like that to me. That digital you know? digital company is a big thing nowadays, man. We're all getting more getting used to that digital company. It is. We That's another reason currency. I like doing it. I yeah. feel like it's a good like place to hang out if you want to like be around like something positive. Like yeah, you know, try to keep the vibes and the the conversation and and everything really upbeat and uh, positive and pretty pretty real. But like um, you know, we're also working, so it's not yeah. like we're sitting around like diving too deep it's like there's always kind of a goal and play and i spend a lot of time on there literally getting ready for dj sets because here in texas there's limited capacity with the clubs and this group i was telling you about of uh djs that i've been kind of crushing it all last year we we started two uh two weeklies here in uh, central texas we play every thursday in san marcos texas and that's kind of a more open format bass night like we play you know, a wide variety of bass music and dance music, but also like rap music and and everything kind of mixed in between. And all the DJs, like me and uh, my buddy Chris, who goes by Chrisley, like we've toured all over the world as being DJs. And like we, we just like, we literally just show up with all of our music and just try to put on like good sets. And like, mm-hmm. it's a 10 to two. So it's like, different sets different music literally every single time where i think in the past like when you've seen us dj it was like you know we're, we're playing kind of we're trying to play like a set where like now when we, we see us play it's more like it's real djing and it's open format we can take it anywhere we're all playing off each other there's not real like time limits yet and i think that's kind of due to like the capacity as well i think when it gets a little more popping we might take it a little get a little more disciplined with the the time but then we do a bottle service club in austin called uh Whoa, summit watch out. Watch out yeah yeah it's a fun time when we play pretty much strictly house music there which is uh also awesome like house music is uh t- you know talking about repetitive music like house music is like the the king of repetitive music it's just it's literally the same beat you know constantly oh yeah uh, for sure so it, that's that's my that's my uh my my favorite i mean i i love both because with the house night it's just house but house is like it's almost it's like its own absolute world of music like it like every type of music can be done in a house format like it's the only genre i can think about that like well one of the main genres i can think about that you could play like for a week straight and like literally 24 7 every single day and like 
ride the waves of like different times of the day that would you just playing different types of house music mm-hmm. you know there's there's just like there's ha- like disco-y stuff there's like you know very melodic stuff there's very deep stuff there's very bright stuff you know it, it literally you know and, and on these like Beatport is the website I buy a lot of that music on and it's like it's just insane how much music there is with that specific kind of like BPM frame I, so, and, I kind of feel that way about Dead Infections demo that I can just listen to oh, it yeah. any time of day, any any yeah. day of the week, and it'll just frame my mood. But it's it's all in your personal taste. Make that house, <laughs> yeah, make yeah, that house yeah. a home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's but, many yeah. rooms in the house, but which one's your home? Uh, That's the point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. But, but um, well, with that being in mind, you're telling us about all this different type of music, uh, and we, we knew we, we were in for it because you do dabble in a lot of different stuff. Um, maybe now would be a good time. Like I said before, we always ask our guests if they could for the listeners and for us to recommend one newer album and one older album. It could be any genre of music, uh, any artist, anything like that. Um, and, and just t- tell us a little bit about it and why we should check it out. Yeah, of course. I'm actually uh, pretty well prepared for this because I've been doing that that awesome. figuring podcast where I've been... Uh, yeah. Basically, just diving into like stuff that I, you know, really like about about metal. Um, I'm trying to open up. I'm trying to cheat with my Spotify. Here we go. Not a sponsor. Yeah, yeah, not a sponsor. <laughs> we'll, bleep, um, we'll bleep that out. <laughs> I like. The, I would rec- as far as newer bands. I would definitely recommend that uh, that band I told you guys about. That black metal band. Um. Oh yeah. Well, what are they called? I have it right here. But you know, behind the wall. <laughs> behind the wall. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Odraza. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That that album's cool. Like I don't know how to like describe it all that well. It's like it's definitely black metal, and I think to say that is interesting. Because like the more I listen to it, I'm like, this is like, like what what it, what kind of metal is this? But like, there's aspects of it that's like, yeah, I guess this is black metal. But it's like usually black metal is pretty like easy to distinguish. Where this is like, for some reason, it's it's it doesn't give me like that that you know clear cut answer that it's black metal, even though it clearly is. If that makes any sense. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it, honestly. You guys yeah, need to follow up with me about that. Absolutely. Um, and as far as bands that I would throw it back to, Hedraza. I mean, there's there's another... Uh, I, I'm really into that. Uh, i got to shout out those Vel Jaharda guys from Sweden. They uh, they have a new album that they're going to be recording soon, and they have another project. I can't remember what's... like. For some reason, my internet is still not loading anything, and I don't know all these bands by by name. Because some of them sound all the same to me, so it's like I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know. Um, but if I had to throw it back to some sick bands, I would throw it back to Strapping Young Lad for sure. Like, mm, oh, if nice. you've never gotten into Strapping Young Lad, I think you're you're really missing out on like, you know, mm-hmm. some really heavy, I would say even soulful uh, music. Yeah, no, Devin Townsend goes deep, man. He uh, he gets in there. He definitely does, and like you know, that uh, Alien is a, I think one of the more ins- 
inspirational albums for Disfiguring with like how they layer um, synths and samples in with music and the way it's mixed to where it's like kind of sounds it's still dynamic it's not you know I know Disfiguring has some really bright synthy aspects especially in the older days but the whole like blending of like a nice mix is Strapping Young Lad Alien really put that out there and that one album that's called like this is really heavy or something is, is yeah awesome. he- heavy is a heavy thing I think it is <laughs> yeah like yeah so, so weird but yeah some, so some great. great stuff man that that's an excellent catalog to revisit yeah definitely I also want to shout out Snuffed on Sight um, <laughs> they are I mean it's only one guy it's a a newer slam project that literally reminds me of like the stuff that got me into like got me hyped on that sound i think you guys would particularly like that uh that um that that guy's music snuffed on sight and uh he's actually like a part of a really cool label called barbaric brutality which is a cassette label mm-hmm. and i found a bunch of like good modern bands through them they they he kind of got i talked with him a bit and uh they he kind of got into uh death metal through like the the kind of this resurgence of like night like throwback 90s metal and i think with slam he's kind of found a, a nice little sweet spot so he's an awesome dude his name is michael who runs that label so shout out to michael and seven at uh snuffed on site and barbaric brutality they're uh, nice. and they have a little podcast too so I, I like i like all the energy with metal right now it's really exciting times like you know this podcast there's another podcast called purgatory from texas which is like you know, they cover like really obscure metal bands, basically, and like I, I just I I'm just loving it. Like I'm loving all it, it. Like I was saying earlier, like this feels like I think Disfiguring's real prime time is this next decade. I think it's like a reflection of of like a bunch of energy that's happening with uh alt- like metal is becoming like alternative again. It's it's not like this. I, there's something alternative about it that I think is you know begging to be unleashed and i'm seeing a bunch of like early i things of that because you know like i think it's about ideas too it's like i think when you have an idea about something i'm when every there's other people were having the same idea at the same time it's really about like the action and the execution of of, uh having these ideas but i think if you're thinking of like some type of concept or like this would be cool it's like i guarantee you there's a bunch of people in that same I don't want to say like the same exact moment, but the same kind of time frame that are also being like, "Hey, wouldn't this be cool?" Well, you know, I, I've uh, I've been referring to this current era we're in as like the death metal renaissance, mm. uh, the last few years because it's it's such a resurgence. The the older bands are getting recognition and reissues. The younger mm-hmm. bands are kind of celebrating the older style. So that's yeah, de- uh, definitely cool. We're definitely gonna um, keep our our ears um, peeled for that stuff. Uh, snuffed on sight. And barbaric, yeah. br- barbaric brutality. When you say cassette label, you, you got my attention. My ears perked up there. I love cassettes. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, no, you'd love this label, and they're they're awesome. You yeah, know? They're, and, they're and funny. I definitely, we'll check it out. And uh, we were, we urge our listeners just one more time to check out "Disfiguring the Goddess" on Bandcamp and uh, and uh, you know other formats. That's just my go-to because you can order the merch and download it there. And uh, Big Chocolate also uh, many electronic releases. Uh, you guys can get your party going. Um, even if you're in the <laughs> pandem- pandemic at home alone, you and your girl uh, or, or your guy, whoever, you could dance it up. Um, yeah. 
You know, on that note, there's a mixtape on there that's free called Chopped and Screwed, and it's 20 chopped and screwed rap tracks that are my, some of my favorite rap tracks of the past couple years, and they're chopped. Chalked and screwed nice. by your boy. So I, definitely, I, if you're getting I, down with your partner, like that's the one I recommend. <laughs> I did listen to it uh, earlier today, and I like that you included uh, from from my generation the the uh, what happened to that boy, the, the Birdman and Clips song. Oh yeah, that, there was oh, yeah. there was at least one song on there that I do know because I'm not really up on all the modern hip hop, man. But cool stuff, that's definitely, awesome. man. That's yeah, awesome. And, and um, yeah, so. Uh, Cameron, uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and giving us a little insight behind your projects. Uh, like we said, we urge the listeners to check out the latest Disfiguring the Goddess uh, uh, release, Soothe, and uh, Big Chocolate. You got to check out that Chopped and Screwed Volume 1. We're waiting for Volume 2 someday. Um, <laughs> uh, and just uh, uh, any parting words to uh, fans of your music and listeners of our show? Yeah, I, 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 you know, to to everyone included, I want to say I, I really appreciate being on here. Thank you, Big Will. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Tom. This is this is a, a really good time. Absolute Cheers. pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah, definitely an absolute pleasure for me as well, for sure. And uh, for everyone listening, you know, the best times, the, definitely the best times. Uh, I love you guys, and uh, you know, follow me, reach out to me. I'm gonna be putting out the. The, the the jams and the vibes and uh you know rocking with the best people and uh trying to show you the you know i guess as, as i as i continue to grow into uh you know reach levels and have ideas i'm trying to share you know more about these ideas but also more about myself and i think it's uh i think it's a, a positive contribution to uh i guess the solution of uh how negative some of the data you can be inputting online is so mm. like if you're going to be online i i would you know try, try and follow people who are positive who you know almost inspire you to get offline you know yeah so. that's that's sound advice right there for sure man yeah yeah get oh, the yeah. jabronis off your back that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what I'm as saying. we settle into the internet and our brains become uh used to 56k and above uh, we all uh, embrace the, the weird cassette releases and fun videos that we get to see and have definitely. a good time doing it. Definitely. Definitely. That's what it's all about. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Cameron, thank you very much for your time, brother. And, um, thank you. Uh, uh, we'll be in touch with you as this episode is produced, and we'll probably have it out in a week or two, man. Seriously stoked to be a part of it. You know, I'm, I'm Hell yeah, stoked. man. It, it was it was awesome, and I enjoyed binge listening to your music the last few days in preparation. Man, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's <laughs> that was awesome. great. It was great, man. Yeah, seriously. Uh, great. Have uh, a good one, man. Take it easy, man. Thanks, brother. You too. Good. Peace. Cameron Argan, uh, a.k.a. Big Chocolate. Shout out to him. Uh, we appreciate his time this evening and talking about not just uh, disfiguring the goddess, but a lot of other stuff he's been involved with through the years. Uh, great conversation. Shout out to him. And um, uh, you can check out that new Disfiguring uh, the Goddess uh, album, Soothe, 
uh, on, on his Bandcamp along with the rest of the catalog. I know there's uh, merchandise and all sorts of stuff. Check out, check him out on um, his uh, uh, social media. He's, o- he's always doing new stuff. Yeah, man. Yep. He's staying active. Now, uh, somebody who I hope is staying active too, Justin. Yep. You, are you actively looking for, for new music and old music that's new to you? I am. And Ooh. not because I have to. Yeah. But because I want to. All right. So, Tom, so, he's he's doing it. He's Are you? I'm doing it. I'll, I'll hold my load because. All know, right. It's, it's, yeah, hold, yeah. Go over there and, and <laughs> clench those cheeks and hold that load, tough guy. All right. <laughs> it's time, Justin. Lay it on me. What do you got? Well, I'll unload right now. Um, I have uh, Morta Skuld mm. uh, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm, uh, their classic. 1993 release, Dying Remains. American death metal. Fuck. Yeah. Classic. And it's so nice when it's not from the South. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The I Southeast. Didn't say that. Uh, but it also is nice when it is. It's refreshing. Uh, so, yeah, so we have like a here an unsung or at least undersung uh, death metal classic album, Fucking Dying Remains. Uh, dark and churning, onslaught of slow and mid tempo, groovy heaviness. Tight, though. Real very, tight. very tight. Uh, right away, uh, I was like, this is if necessary for any fans of obituary. Uh, yeah. You know, if you, if you want to. Like I said, travel up north a little bit. Um, very uh, morbidly kind of dungeony atmosphere uh, going on here. Um, I mentioned before that I'm, I'm a little inspired by the Doom episode we did, and I think that this band really blends that uh, that early '90s uh, technical death thrash with a more doomy kind of sound. Yeah, like um, you talk about obituary, also yeah. maybe cyanide from Chicago. It's like there was a point before death metal got lost in in the the um the speed the race for speed That's the right. race for blast beats and and BPMs, where there yeah being slow and doomy was part of death metal yeah and uh, you know but this band isn't afraid to pick it up uh, when they kind of uh, you know get a little bit faster I think these riffs and and the songwriting uh, on par with like an eaten back to life or a leprosy kind of sound uh, I thought they they sounded a little uh, very similar to uh, Carnage. Uh, this okay. is band that came up looking into this. Uh, the vocal performance for me kind of makes this a, a, a very worthwhile recommendation. Uh, torturous grunts and yells, uh, but really unique vocal patterns, which is something that that's a, I'm kind of a stickler for. Uh, get a little creative with it. You know, in 1993, you already did it, but I'm, I'm, I'm I, finding it out. I really love how the production, how the clarity yep. of the production and the tightness of the performance in the context of what year this is from and the state of death metal's evolution. I mean, it really, it sounds like, like production wise, it sounds like an album that was recorded 10 years later almost. Yeah. And I know the band had a a big part in the recording and production of it, uh, mixing, you know, all the stuff. Uh, but yeah, like I said, this is a, this is something worth going back to might've been overlooked with uh, all the, the, the craze of, of amazing bands going on in 1993. But Mortis Gold is still active today. Um, they just released the record Suffer for Nothing uh, in 2020. And it's it's fucking good. And it, it, they kind of stay true to the sound a little bit. You know, just uh, uh, getting older, I guess. Um, maybe just, I don't know. Aging well. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe drinking more water. Uh, well, that, that, that metal keeps you, you young, know? man. But, we got to gotta put them on the list. We'll yeah. reach out. But a really, really solid band. Uh, I'm excited to go uh, in a little bit deeper into their discography. But 1993's Dying Remains. Fucking cool. Check it out. Check. The 
Hey, Tom. <laughs> hey, Will. What, what do you got? <laughs> uh, all right. So I forgot my notebook at home, but that's all right because I've been soaking in this. Uh, Have Eternity from France. Mm. 1991. Uh, we don't know when they split up, but they sure sh- shit put out a demo in 1994 called uh, Mel Mackian. Mm. Now, this demo, this shit's tight. Okay, a lot of stuff going on here. Very progressive in a in a brutal way. Um, I love the mix on this because it sounds like the stereo is blowing out, but it's also really low at the same time, as if they've captured lightning in a bottle. Got a lot of riffs here, really sick riffs. Vocal performance, killer drummer. Um, and here's a fun part about this: I have not actually listened to the whole demo. See, there is an, a version uploaded to YouTube. The quality is so poor that I was like, you know what? I see one that's uploaded that's just the first side, the first two songs. I'm going to listen to that, and I'm going to buy the demo. And uh, that still has not been delivered, the cassette coming from France. Um, So I'm still waiting. This is a halfway review, but it's something that I I thought I'd turn you folks on to because it just seems like for 1994, this has like the spirit of uh, like... um, some of the more creative bands that I'm into, like like um, like Cephalic Carnage and um, you know like early Deeds of Flesh, where they're kind of just making their own sound and they're saying "fuck it," like this is this is a unfortunately short lived because these guys did not do anything past 1996, I believe. But yeah, they did it, man. This is a really really awesome demo so far, and um, I am in love with the guitar work. And each of the songs uh, that I have heard have this classical thing about them towards the end of the song, kind of like a uh, an old Baroque-style composition where the latter half of it turns into something counterpointy sounding. And, um, you know, it's interesting writing. And um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting my demo in the mail when it does come uh, so I can really enjoy this. Interesting. Okay. Uh, what? <laughs> may I hey, ask? Will. Yeah, hey, Will. Uh, may I ask, do you have uh, something to recommend us, perhaps, that's not just Atlas Brewery beer? Uh, not you guys. Um, I am actually going to mute my mic for you guys and only talk to the listeners right now. Fuck you guys. No. Oh, okay. I love Justin and Tom. We do jokes. It's showbiz. We're very lovable. Yeah. Uh, but listen, special shout to all of our supporters and listeners in the big old New Zealand uh, over there. NZ, what's up, guys? How you doing there? How's uh, freedom for you? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. You guys doing a little bit better with the old COVID than us. Uh, but um, Death Blood from New Zealand is a band that features all of one guy named Jeremy Giles. Shout out to him. 
Um, and they recently uh, released uh, Death in the Flesh, their debut full-length, uh, 2021, fresh fresh off the uh, the old Zealand there in the Bay of Plenty. Um, and this guy's got plenty of riffs here. I love this. This is really cool stuff. It just kind of popped up on my algorithm, and I gave it a shot, and I was addicted. It's... Um, First of all, let's talk about the guitar sound and the tone. This guy is sick. I mean, it is awesome. It's uh, it's not just raw and crunchy. It's got a very uh, almost sci-fi, like phaser-like feel to it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's being run through a Sega Genesis. Yeah, that. Thank you for uh, making my point there. Sega CD. And um, the drum machine sound, uh, it doesn't sound so much like your modern, I'm trying to trick you into thinking I have a human drummer sound that everyone goes for. It's got that kind of classic uh, 90s drum machine um, sound, like Mortician or, you know, a lot of the bands that we used to listen to back then that had drum machines where it's a little more obvious. And that really speaks to the charm uh, getting down to business here. This whole release here is it's got a very vintage, nostalgic quality to it that... um, not just reminds me of old school death and thrash metal, but there's a very heavy melodic component here that brings to mind um, just regular 80s heavy metal and hard rock uh, with a very atmospheric, um, dramatic uh, take on melody and um, the, the lead work and the uh, some of the more atmospheric parts. This is not just a one-trick pony that uh, brings you some raw thrash-influenced uh, old-school death metal. This guy really goes for atmosphere, and I can't help but think of some of my favorite um, old-school 80s horror movies, like especially Demons um, and uh, uh, maybe even like Fright Night, just some of these real campy uh, uh, midnight horror movies from the 80s with vampires and ghouls and stuff. This, th- 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 that, this really sets that kind of atmosphere and uh, for that, I, I love it. I love it for the atmosphere and the nostalgia it creates. Um, and some of the some of those like ear candy kind of uh, melodic components that are uh, filtered through this extremely raw, uh, ghostly guitar tone. So this is a special release. Uh, and don't just mistake it for um, another crab in the bucket of kind of like poorly produced bedroom projects you know there's something very special to this one yeah i would definitely put this more in the the uh, non-crab bucket of like yeah. flesh rot from texas that yeah. you brought in a while yeah, ago yeah. um you know where it, it is the one-man project but there's obviously care and there's charm charm yeah charm is the word for this um this is just this it's not another one-man project uh that's just going to kind of like you know fall fall into the masses this is this has got a lot of originality and like i said there's so much uh, if you're a fan of like old 80s horror movies and 80s metal, there's just a vintage nostalgic quality about this that is really endearing. Ooh, very cool. Shout out to Joe Bob Briggs. Loving the tones going on here. Okay, so that was my recommendation for this evening. That was uh, New Zealand's own Death Blood uh, with Death in the Flesh. Really enjoyed that album. Um, kind of a nostalgic quality to it that I appreciated. And shout out to our guest Cameron Argon, a.k.a. Big Chocolate tonight. You can check out 
uh, Disfiguring the Goddess. You can check out his solo work under the name Big Chocolate. Uh, look the guy up. He's responsible for uh, quite a bit behind the scenes over the years and contributing to a lot of things. So uh, we appreciate his time and him talking to us tonight. And um, uh, shout out to you, the listener, if you want to talk to us. Tom, do you have that phone number handy by any chance? Yeah, it's 631-837-3274. Give us a call. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. If you want, and and that's really, we're doing the venting, bitching, angry thing. I'm not going to say no to a recommendation, but let me know what you're pissed off about. If you just want to raise the old pint glass and say hi and give us a recommendation, uh, we appreciate you. We love you. But what we really want you to do is call up and get angry and vent. Not at us. If you're angry at us, then I mean, I guess do it. Actually, yeah, please. Yeah, that's yeah. deadly yeah. fun too. Not, not me. I'm very sensitive. Yeah, uh, fuck yeah, I allegedly. love Superior Drummer. Fuck yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah, talk some shit, tough guy. <laughs> Did you have something to do today, and now you can't do it anymore because you listen to this podcast all day? Oh, Fucking, oh, maybe, sure. uh, and let, you know, let us know. What'd you miss? Did you uh, yeah. stand up to date? Yeah. Did you lose a relationship over the Heavy Hole podcast? Did your mom uh, drop your laundry basket off in your room after it was all done? You forgot to fold it? Yeah. Does your, you, does, does, does your mom have a single sister that likes burly death metal singers? I don't know. All right. Let's <laughs> let's figure it all out. Do you, you have a voice do you have a secret that you're keeping from someone you love? And you oh. want to come on the Heavy Hole Podcast and share it? Yeah. Come clean. Then please call our phone number. It starts with 1-631. Why not? It's the best. What's the rest of it? <laughs> uh, 837-3274. 3274-3274. And that's one number over the course of 10 digits. Yeah. One. That's right. Oh, wait, 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 guys. Heavyholepodcast.com if they want to check out our Patreon or social media. I'm sorry. That's the last one. Hey,